Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, like I said um, a moment ago, I'm just really grateful for the team that led us in worship today. Um, Miranda, we saw her story last week. Wasn't that great that she shared her testimony on video with us? That was great. Thank you, friend. The West Campus and everybody online is going to get to hear your story of how God is moving in your life. So grateful for you. And Gloria, you're one of the matriarchs of our church. We love you. Thank you for leading us in worship so faithfully. Thank you, Gloria. And... um, and Jose, who's only been with us for a few months, Jose has a big load on him today. Would you be praying for him? Jose is going to be preaching to COH Espanol right after this service. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So uh, we're just so excited for that. He's in the cry room with the families right now. But, um, so thank you, Jose. Thank you, team. Thank you to all our instrumentalists and just uh, anointed worship leaders bring us into the presence of God. Uh, it's so great to be back with everybody here today. Uh, I had last weekend off. Pastor Jeff shared with us last week. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for filling in for me. Can we honor Pastor Jeff? Thank you, Jeff. And um, Leah and I, we had a little bit of a staycation. Everybody knows what staycations are. I mean, it's, it's great to do a staycation. It's smart to do a staycation during COVID. And we had a little staycation at home. And let me assure you, I ate all the pizza in the world. I ate all the junk food in the world. My football team won and is in the NFC Championship today. I mean, I had like the best weekend just to relax and recharge. And so it's great to be back here today and to continue our series, Get Your Life Back. Now, before we jump into the message, I want to remind everybody about something. Next week, Pastor Dale, our lead and founding pastor, he's going to be here and he's preaching at the East Campus for the first time in a long time. And we'll have a informational meeting, go ahead and throw that up, where you know how we used to have the rhythm, you know, before COVID when we would all meet together and not like two-thirds of our church is watching online, uh, where Dale would be here once a month, and he would just have an informational meeting with everybody where people can ask him questions. We have updates about what's going on in the church. He is wanting to restart that rhythm again. And so following church next week, we're just going to have a brief informational meeting where Dale is going to share a few things that are going on in life for church. You can ask him a bunch of questions, any questions that you might have. We're going to be doing that next week, and we're going to meet right after this service in the fellowship hall for just a brief time, okay? So come to church, and then head on over to the fellowship hall, which is just two buildings over that way to hang out with Pastor Dale and get to ask him any questions that you want, okay? Sounds good? Great. Okay, cool. So we are in our series that we're calling Get Your Life Back. And so if you haven't opened up your COH app to open up your sermon notes, go ahead and do that now. Grab your Bible, grab your journal, however you take notes or follow along. We encourage you to do that. Here's what we're talking about in this series. Um, we're talking about how to grow your soul and how to nourish your soul because uh, life in our culture in this day and age is soul-sucking. It really is. It's been a difficult time. It's a difficult time in our culture, and COVID has made it even harder. And so we're telling people, here's how you get your life back. And this isn't just a pithy self-help type of a thing. We're talking about the deeper things of life, not just the new year in 2021. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to read more. No, we're talking about the deeper things of not just your body, not just your mind, but what's going on inside of you in your soul. We're basing this off of a book uh, from great author John Eldridge. Has anybody ever read, any of the guys ever read Wild at Heart? It was a great book. Yeah, a great book. Um, I really 
would recommend this book to you. Um, I promise you, you're not going to read that and just hear us copying from it for the message. We're really just inspired from it, preaching fresh messages. But just for you and yourself, if you're looking for something to read in the new year, go by Get Your Life Back from John Eldridge. I couldn't recommend it any higher. And so we're talking about this idea of the life that Jesus offers where if we choose to follow him as his apprentices and follow him as his disciples and try to model not just his theology or his ethics, but his lifestyle, that Jesus promises restoration and rest for the human soul. In fact, our theme verse for the series is Matthew 11, 28 through 29 or 30. We're going to put it on the screen. Let's read it out loud all together. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what we're talking about in this series. Now, one of the things that we talked about, it's a foundational practice, is what's called the one-minute pause. And we just did that in our prayer time, where we paused and we get quiet And to start, just start with one minute. Just put a timer on your phone. And this is one of the most uh, spiritual things you could do in the new year is to take one minute and pause and be still in God's presence. And here's a good prayer to start you off. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. And then you just wait. And then sometimes he might give you a specific thing that you need to give to him instead of just a general prayer. But the ability to pause the ability to practice silence, external and internal silence, the ability to do that and just lay it all down at his feet is the foundation of everything we're talking about in the series, to just pause and breathe. So recommending that. Last week, uh, Pastor Jeff here and Pastor Dale over at our West Campus, which is our broadcast campus, talked about three really important things. One is that our life is our choice, I and mean, it's our choice of what vine we're going to connect to. And Jesus is, Jesus is the only true vine. And that if we orient our life around the person of Jesus, if we focus on that, and if we do that enough, we will catch in our lives what Jesus owned, that our lives, like his, will develop a certain rhyme, certain rhythm, certain song. And you will see from the life of Jesus, he was never in a hurry, ever. Jesus never ran Anywhere. He only walked. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus only walked places. He was never in a hurry. Ever. Because hurry is bad for the human soul. Hurry is sickness to your spiritual life. It robs of peace and it robs of patience, the very essence of who God is in his nature. And so if we're learning, if we learn to model the lifestyle of Jesus a little bit more, Man, we're going to learn that nothing of deep significance ever really happens in a hurry. You'll learn to just slow down is what we are talking about last week. Now, here's where we're coming at for today. We're going to be talking about an Old Testament passage. Um, I love the Old Testament. I love when I get to teach out of it. And we're going to be looking at one of the Psalms, and we'll talk about what that is in just a moment. But what we're going to be looking at is Psalm chapter 19, or Psalm 19, I should say. And here's what we're going to be doing. When we look at this, we're going to lift up two ideas that are presented in this psalm. And initially, people think that these ideas are in contrast to each other, but they're actually not. They're complementary. And we're going to show you how to navigate this tension 
that we're going to lift up. And at the end of today, before we dismiss you, I'm going to give you one practical thing to do of how to put this into place in your life to help you get your life back. So let's look at this. This is Psalm chapter 19. We're going to go ahead and put it on the screen. Psalm 19, for the director of music, a psalm of David. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and much than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own heirs? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins that they may not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Lord, so we just pray another prayer of the psalmist. Would you open our eyes today to see wonderful things in your law? In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so the title of this morning's message we're calling Get Outside. Everyone say that. Get Outside. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So we just obviously read from Psalms. uh, This Psalm in particular is written by King David, the famed worshiping warrior king of Israel, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And it's a prayer book. Um, The wonderful thing about Psalms is that it was the lyrics, it was the hymn book for the ancient Israelite people. And yet even though we don't know the tunes that they have anymore, we have the lyrics because that's what we do when we sing. It's just prayer put to music. And what we have in the book of Psalms is a way that teaches us how to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, man, start with the Psalms and it'll bless your soul. Now we learn here right away, you could see it in the first six verses, David is talking about God's creation and how God reveals himself through nature. And that's what's called general revelation or uh, natural revelation. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. Verses 7 through 11 is when David talks more specifically about the Word of God and how God reveals himself through the Scriptures. And this is called specific revelation. And this is here what we're going to talk about is these two contrasting ideas. And so let's talk about connecting with God through his Word. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is just God's Word. God's Word, okay? 
Now, before we're going to zoom out larger to the point of the psalmaltia, we're just going to zoom on in on these few verses here and talk about this for just a moment. So let's go back to verse 7. Verse 7 says, there's my page. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Uh, underline that word law there. It's not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, underline that word. We're going to come back to the second. It refreshes the soul. How about that? We're talking about get your life back and restoring your soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making, wise the simple. The precepts, see, it's all these synonyms. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Even better than honeycomb cereal that's in my pantry right now at home for my kids. By them your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. So what David is trying to do is is to give the reasoning behind. It's not just the why of why you'd want to connect to this, but it's the reward that's attached to it. He's trying to... um, He's trying to entice people to want to connect with God through his word because it's not something you should do. It's something that's sweet to your taste and good for your life. Now, when he's talking about the word law there and precepts and statutes, the word law in their particular um, in the Hebrew is the same word for the word Torah, which is the word for guide or to teach or to instruct or what drives people, which leads to bigger questions that we all have to ask ask ourselves, well, all of us do, whether we are spiritual or not, religious or not, we all ask ourselves, what do we order our lives by? We need to choose what are we going to do with our lives. When I was in seventh grade, I thought for sure I was going to spend my life being the next WWE champion, for sure. That's how I was going to spend my life. And now look at me, watch out. We have to choose, okay, how are we going to spend our life? How are we going to build our lives? How are we going to order our lives? Um, Anybody who just aimlessly goes through life, guess what? You get at what you aim at, nothing. You have to aim at something. You have to order your life about something. If you're trying to structure your life to get from here to there, to get to point A to point B, you have to define what those things are. And it all comes down to this question here is, what is the meaning and what is the purpose of your life? And what David is trying to tell us here is that the scriptures have a hint for us. In fact, uh, I remember reading a famous book. Many of you have probably read it. Uh, In fact, I'm I'm sure many of you have read it here in this room. Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. Um, In its first 10 years, it sold 80 million. That's million with an M. 80 million copies. And in the book, he talks about um, a famous philosopher named Hugh Moorhead. We have a picture of a book that he helped... uh, um, cold together. And in this book, Hugh Moorhead was a doctor, he is a doctor of philosophy at Northeastern University who took time to reach out to over 250 philosophers, scientists, writers, and intellectuals of his day. And he asked them, hey, will you write me back and tell me what you think is the meaning of life? And this is what Hugh Moorhead said. He said, some offered their best guesses, some admitted they made up a purpose of life and just mailed it back to Hugh. And the braver among the 250 readily admitted that they were clueless. 
And here's what's fascinating. Across the length of time after Dr. Moorhead wrote to them, many of the 250 wrote back confidentially and asked Dr. Moorhead to write back and tell them what was the meaning of life when or if he discovered it. Interesting. Did you know a famed atheist of the past generation, Bertrand Russell, once said that unless you assume there is a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. So Rick Warren goes on to say this. He said, everyone's life is driven by something. Most dictionaries define the word drive as guide, control, or direct. And so the question becomes, what is the driving force of your life? It may be a problem, a pressure, or a deadline. It may be a painful memory, a haunting fear, an unsolicited belief. It could be guilt or resentment or anger or fear or materialism or sexual pleasure or approval. We're all driven by something. In fact, we may remember that Jesus himself said that no one can serve two masters. And this is what David is getting at in the psalm. Is that God's word, this specific way that God has revealed himself to his people, he inspired human authors to write down these words in the books of the Bible, that in these words, people can find the purpose and meaning of life. For instance, here's another psalm from Psalm 119. We're going to put it on the screen. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You guys remember that song from the 80s, Thy Word? I play that for my kids at night. It's based off of this. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. It shows you the way. Colossians 1.16 says this, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This is powerful. In fact, there's another translation that says it this way, that everything got started in him, in God, and finds its purpose in him. And so really, in a lot of ways, what David is saying is that if you want to find out the meaning of an invention, you should ask the inventor of it. Let me tell you a story. This is a picture of a a German-born man who who lived in America named Charles Stimes. Go ahead and put that up there. Charles Stimes. And uh, Charles Stimes was a famous um, electrical engineer. He was called the Wizard of Schenectady. Anybody know where Schenectady is? How about that? Look at you guys. So he's the famed Wizard of Schenectady. And he was one of the uh, leading beginning experts on alternating current. And he helped uh, create the first electrical generators. And Henry Ford used a lot of his equipment and his services. And one day at the Ford plant, when they had a breakdown of their generators and their in-house engineers couldn't figure it out, Henry Ford wrote to Charles Stimes and invited him to come to the plant and figure it out. Now, Charles Stimes, coming to the plant as the expert, all he needed was a piece of chalk and a cot. And after a long period of time of him doing research and looking and then laying down and back and forth, back and forth, he finally got up, picked up his piece of chalk, walked to one specific generator, and here's how the fame story goes, and he drew an X on the one generator that was broken that they figured out they needed to fix, though, put the whole plant back in operation again. And he sent a bill to Henry Ford for $10,000. 
which back in that day was a lot of money. That's a lot of money right now. It was a lot of money back then. And Henry Ford said, I'm not going to pay this bill. This is outrageous. What constitutes a $10,000 charge from you? And Charles Stymes wrote back to him and said, $1 fee for marking the X with the chalk. $9,999 for knowing exactly where to mark. And see, what David is talking about is you want to know the purpose and meaning of life. You can find that in God's word because God reveals himself in his word and he reveals life in his word. And, not, and how, it's, how it's best lived how life works best, even in a broken world. But most of all, it's not just a manual for how to do life. It's a manual for how to have a relationship with him that will navigate you into eternity, even beyond this life. Joy in this present age and endless joy in the age to come. That's what it's all about. Now, here's where it's interesting. God's word is paramount, and I'm not trying to take away from anything of that. But the psalm that David wrote here lifts up not just one way that God reveals himself. And for most people who come to worship on church on Sunday, if you've been doing church for any period of time, we're the type of church that welcomes people where they've never done church before, and they're trying to navigate faith in new and fresh ways. For those of us who do, who have kind of gotten used to this rhythm of coming to church, of course you would expect to say God reveals himself through his word. But oftentimes we miss ways that God also reveals himself. Now obviously, this is the highest way that God reveals himself and this is the objective way that we have to know how God has revealed himself. But what David is clearly saying is that in God's, not word, just his word, but in God's world... He has also revealed himself to people. Listen to some of these words here. Now, we can put this on the screen, so you can just follow along, Nikki, in the back, but I'm not going to read it all. He talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. He talks about they pour forth speech. They reveal knowledge. They have a voice that goes out into all the world. And he goes on and on about how God's creation reveals him. I'm just going to read. I can't help myself. Verse 4. Their voice goes out into all the world. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises from one end of the heavens and make its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And all of this, he's saying, it's pouring out speech declaring the glory of God. So if we zoomed in to talk about particular God's word, we're going to zoom out for the view of the whole psalm right now for the rest of our time together. This is what theologians call general or natural revelation. Philosophers talk about that this is a piece of what's called the cosmological argument for God, that if you look at creation and, and all that is in existence, it's proof for the existence of God. All these things tell the story of God, all of creation, the sun, the sky, plants and trees and animals and birds and even the cosmos all tell the story of God. Have you ever seen, uh, man, especially lately, have you ever seen a beautiful sunset or a night sky 
that declares the glory of God just takes your breath away. Here's a picture that Pastor Dale actually took from his backyard. Now, the, the, I remember this night because I stood outside in my driveway and I didn't have my phone with me, but I had Leah and the kids coming. I said, oh, look at that. The sky was kind of a light blue and towards the horizon was a deep red with pink clouds in between. It was phenomenal. Have you ever seen a sunset that <gasps> took your breath away? These things are declaring the glory of God and point to not just the beauty of creation and the beauty of the work of art, but points to the beauty of the artist who painted it. See, David is connecting two ideas really important together that we need to hold on to. In our culture, we live in what's, uh, what we describe as like a binary society. Binary means it's either or. You have, it's this choice or that choice. We do this with politics. We do this with uh, all sorts of different policy issues. We do this in all sorts of controversial areas of life, and especially online. We think all of life can be boiled down to 150 characters, right? You with me? And really, what we know is that life is not necessarily simple. You are either this or you are either this, and there's nothing in between. The truth is, life is more complex than that. Great author Jim Collins in his book when he talks about built to last, he talks about how fantastic companies that endure through generations have figured out what he calls um, the genius of the and instead of the tyranny of the or. And what David has discovered in this psalm is the genius of the and of that faith and what goes on in nature and what is observed through science are not contradictory with each other. That faith and science and what people observe in God's good creation actually um, testify to each other. And they're not at war with each other by any means whatsoever. David invites us to see that this idea, it's complementary. And you'd be pleased to know, we did a little bit of research about this this week, um, how people of faith have navigated the natural world with their faith has never has not always been combative like people have seen in American society for the past couple generations. Listen to this. Rodney Stark, in his book, The Victory of Reason, wrote this. It's not, an, it's not an accident that real science arose only one time in only one place at the end of the Middle Ages in Europe. Within the context of a Christian worldview that saw nature as the product of a rational God. And that therefore, to explore that with which... Excuse me, let me say this again. And that, therefore, to explore that with the expectation of finding unity and order in a way to know and glorify God that made sense. This was the ecosystem needed to create science. And the giants of that enterprise, Newton, Galileo, Kelper, and Descartes, saw nature as a book written by God. And that science was a way to know God. And that what it was not was a cyclical process that never led to anything. See, what he's saying here is that these two things together can really beautifully grow your faith. Here's a picture of, well, don't want to say this wrong. 
the Orion Nebula. It was taken from one of our church members' uh, telescopes. Isn't that just stunning? Now, if you look up in the stars in the sky from Earth, you could see that there are 3,000 stars. But really, what we know is that in our galaxy, there are seven, or 70 sextillion stars. That's 70 with 22 zeros, for those of you that are counting, which is the same as 10 times all the grains of sand on the Earth. That's how many stars God has put out in the world. One of, my, um, one of my friends who was a campus pastor to me, when he was a teenager, he was an atheist. And when he was an atheist, he wasn't... Um, uh, see, not all atheists are mean, bad, horrible people, contrary to what other pastors tell you. I've met a lot of atheists. They're really kind people. They just don't know Jesus yet. Um, but he was kind of a jerk of an atheist. <laughs> Self-admittingly, he was. Uh, he was mean about it. He was dismissive about it. He put people down all the time. He thought Christians were stupid. Then when he was in high school, his, uh, no, leave the, leave the stars up, please. When he was in high school, um, he, his cousin invited him to go to a Christian camp. And the only reason he said yes is because he heard there'd be cute girls there. And one night, uh, when they went out and they, Sun had said it was late at night, <clears throat> and only how you could experience this at certain camps, when you look up in the sky and there's no light pollution at all, you're away from the lights of society enough to where you look up and you just see all the stars and it wasn't a cloud in the sky. And it was breathtaking. And his cousin, who's standing next to him, who was a believer, looked up. And I don't think he was trying to pick an intellectual fight at all. I think he just blurted this out out of adoration for God. He looked up at the sky and said, oh, how can anybody look up at this and not believe there is a God? And my friend Vance, the self-declared jerk of an atheist, was looking up at the stars. And this is what he said back to his cousin. You're right. The heavens declare the glory of God if we open our hearts enough about it. And here's the beauty of what we're learning in this series is that when we learn to embrace this idea that the glory of God fills the whole earth, the heavens declare the glory of God, that God's creation sings back to us, that when we Get outside. It is healing to the human soul. So this is all I'm trying to tell you today. If you want to grow your soul, you need to get outside more. Jesus lived almost all of his life outside. Now, Jesus didn't have television or iPhones or iPads or newspapers or anything like that. He was a homeless, itinerant preacher, but he still chose to go outside all the time to pray and to seek God. And I think he did it deliberately because there's something that happens when people go outside. When I told you last weekend in my staycation, how it was so refreshing for my soul, we did all sorts of things. We saw our movie for the very first time since the pandemic. That was great. We ate um, like all sorts of junk food. I drove to Boca to eat pizza, the best pizza in South Florida. Help me, Jesus. Oh my gosh. It was so good. You know what the best part of the whole staycation was? 
we went outside to the, to the preserve off a of flying cow road in Wellington. That's actually a road, I know. Um, out in Wellington, and we rode bikes. Here's pictures from that weekend, or from that bike ride. <clears throat> we got the kids' bikes. Kate's bike isn't in that picture. Leah's the one holding the, the photo. There's Susanna in her stroller. And we just rode bikes in a beautiful nature preserve for a couple hours. And it was healing to me. Uh, the Christmas season burnt me out in a, in a little bit of a way. Uh, when you work for a church, you help put on Christmas for everybody else. In all of our works, we all have our busy season, do we not? We all know when, man, it's go time for my profession. And when you work at a church, Christmas is go time. And after Christmas, everyone else came back from their Christmas vacation feeling good. And I came back going, I need to catch my breath. And I did. And I most caught my breath being outside in God's creation, surrounded by the beauty. And it did something for my soul because the heavens declared the glory of God. John Eldridge says this. We're going to close here in just a second. Listen to these stats. The average person now spends 93% of their life indoors. This includes your time and transportation. So this means if you live to be 100, you will have spent 93 years living in a little compartment and seven outside in the dazzling living world God created. We live all of our lives in a fake world, artificial lighting instead of the warmth of sunlight or the cool of moonlight or the darkness of light itself. Artificial climate rather than wild beauty of real weather. Our world becomes a perfect 68 degrees with the dull hum of our HVAC in the background. But then he says, the beauty of nature reassures us. This is especially important here to the grace and beauty God offered to us, offered to us in our life with God. We need reassuring. The beauty of nature reassures us that goodness is still real in the world, more real than harm or scarcity or evil. Beauty reassures us of abundance, especially that God is absolutely abundant in goodness and in life. Beauty reassures us that there is plenty of life to be had, and it reassures us that the end of this story is wonderful. All of this happens when we go outside to encounter God in general revelation in his good creation. You want to get your soul back? Not only learn to pause and be in silence, but to just go outside and watch what God does inside of you. Here's the whole point of the psalm. We're going to close here in a minute. Is that what's outside, how we experience God in the beauty of nature, and how we experience God in the beauty of his written word, is meant to go from out there to right here to deep in here. And you're supposed to receive it with your soul. And when you do, you get your life back. So I'm just going to invite Jose to come on up. And uh, I'm going to invite all of us to just stand here for a moment. So I, would you, if you're able, would you please stand? And here's what I want you to do at the end of all of this today. If you want to put this into practice, here is what you need to do, my friends. One, what do you think I'm going to tell you? Go outside. <laughs> I sound like my mother. Go outside. You just need to go outside. But here's what I want you to do when you go outside. Here's what I want you to do. Every day, if you can, here are some things you could do. 
every day, I, since I've tried to be practicing this, I go outside and I try to touch nature. I touch my grass. Or I go and I touch a tree. Or I touch a pine cone or leaf. Try to touch nature every day. Anything that you could do outside, try to do it outside. Just try. Uh, when you go home today, here's what I definitely want everybody to. This month, my wife has been practicing the most. Here's your assignment for right now in five minutes. When you get in your car to go home or to go to brunch or to go to the grocery store, I don't care. Drive with the windows down. Can you do that? Yeah, I know it will mess up your hair, ladies, but just try it. <laughs> okay? Drive with the windows down. And then sometime this week, take a picture of you being outdoors, of receiving the revelation of God in his good creation. And then share, if you're on social media, share it and tag Community of Hope in it. And if you don't care about social media, God bless you. You can just email us at info at communityofhope.church. Can you do that? Friends, let's get outside. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you are the God of restoration. You are the God who gives rest for our souls. And Jesus, when we follow your lifestyle, it leads to rest because you are the God of restoration. So Lord, as we learn to practice stillness and silence like you did with the Father, as we learn to slow down and not be in a hurry like you were, and as we learn to experience you in your creation, Jesus, they, all things were made through you and for you. When we go outside this week, May we just not experience the relaxing scene of a beautiful vista and of nature, but may we experience you, the creator behind all of the beauty that we see. This is our heart's desire, and would you fulfill your promise to us? Would you bring rest to our souls? Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, if you need prayer for anything, we're gonna have people in the prayer room back there. Uh, other than that, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.